Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. I'm Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good friends, O Richard. Hello there, everybody. And O Michael. Oh, howdy. <laughs> Just in time for about a month after St. Patrick's Day, we are doing Perfect time. <laughs> the Mount as Rushmore usual. of Irish stuff. Uh, our we'll, Thanksgiving we'll, episode will be coming out next yeah. week. Yeah. 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 Um, well, you uh, gotta Richard... surprise. That's the thing. You gotta surprise them. You gotta. Oh be, yeah, everybody's gonna be listening on their toes. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna be looking for Christmas stuff around December, so <laughs> we'll hit you in in January for that. Um, the Mount Rushmore of Irish stuff, Richard. You've visited the recently the Emerald Isle. What, yes, what, I did. Was, what was it like? Oh, it was great. We were there for well, we were away for nine days, but it was a day of travel each way, so it was more like seven days. Mm -hmm. And it was great. We just saw a bunch of museums and historical sites for the most part. We didn't really get outside of Dublin except for one day when we did some falconry. Mm. Well, hmm. yeah, they, there was a... Uh, That's still the main main way they send information back and forth, right? They Yeah, I don't quite, think... Don't quite I, I don't the think... Telephone yet. I don't F think mail. The telegram has, F mail. <laughs> yeah, the telegram has not quite shown up to Ireland yet. Mm. Oh. No, you, there was a, a person offering... Uh, a special event special uh private a private meet and greet with different falcons and owls and things like that we went down to this hotel in wicklow county i think it was and we did like a nature walk and one of the falcons would fly along with you and you could put your arm out and it would land on it and eat food out of your hand and then they had a couple of other falcons and and owls and things that we got to meet mm -hmm. It was cool as hell. So wow. yeah, we had a we had a really good time. I walked twenty five miles during our trip. How many kilometers is that? I no idea. Twenty five? Oh. I don't okay, know. Twenty five. It's a one to one. <laughs> Let's assume it's one to one. All right. Well, uh, I'm sure you're uh, have plenty to share. Uh, first hand stuff to share for the Mount Rushmore of Irish stuff. Why don't we give Michael um, a little bit of a chance at succeeding at this topic by letting him go first? Oh please. I, I mean, listen, I. Uh, have made the amount of effort put into this as I did when um, in the fourth or fifth grade, I was trying to like cram to finish a report, but by the next day that I hadn't done any work on it and uh, got called out in front of the class and uh, felt very ashamed. So, so Michael is going to start off with, there are many interesting things about yes. Ireland. Ireland is a historic country. No That's Webster you, says that Ireland is. <laughs> yesterday, you, literally. Go ahead. Not to say if you could double space your uh your, your your responses your mic somehow even though it's audio that'd be great um yesterday i watched an episode of the simpsons called das bus where uh the kids uh in the elementary school were doing like a model un thing and one of the thing that like bart has is he's holding up the sheets of paper that are blank and he's like uh, uh libya is a land of many contrasts <laughs> just <laughs> says, <laughs> nothing to say just great um <laughs> Uh, so I uh, I went off uh, immediate first blush on this. I didn't go any. I didn't go deep. I didn't really think about this too hard because I thought, um, uh, what's the point? I'm not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Irish Spring Soap is my number one choice. <laughs> okay. Now listen. Okay. If there's anything that has colored my opinion of uh, a land uh, like Ireland, it is growing up on um, uh, soap commercials with um, these lovely like. Uh, uh, quasi dirty people getting clean 
um, like washing themselves in public with like, um, you know, like a bath in public or a shower in public where people are walking by. And um, it is uh, the best sort of like propaganda and um, uh, promotion for this country that, um, you know, I'm going to say it. It's not like America. It's, it seems like a totally different country to me, that place. Just the, yeah. the way it looks in a commercial uh, trying to sell soap. And um, I don't know what it is. I think that the soap itself has a very distinct, almost awful smell, which I think uh, uh, directly uh, <laughs> goes against what they're trying to portray. Mm-hmm. As it's, it's very green, as you can see on, on our YouTube video. Like it's got, it's a great, it, the soap is green. Ireland, I assume, is mostly green, right? Yeah, Except yeah. For, it's uh, a very, it's a very green country. They get a lot of rain, and there's a lot of grass and greenery and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think it feels, it feels like the the best possible promotion for this land that has been filled with, um, you know, tremendous troubles over the last yeah uh, eighty years, if uh, not longer. Uh, this land that has it's the one I feel like it feels like the one characterization that doesn't feel like, I don't know, awful. Like, look how clean and great and wonderful and beautiful like this place is. And also you can be clean and beautiful and wonderful too. Mm-hmm. Irish spring commercials gave me a very specific sense of what Irish people look like. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like, especially like the females all like curly red hair, pale with freckles. Yeah. And I can tell you from being in recently, you know, a week ago, having been in Ireland. Um, no, they all, I don't say all, I don't want to totally characterize, but I'd say if there is a, a Irish female look in 2023, it is iron straight hair that is typically blonde, but with black roots. Hmm. Um, uh, yoga pants. Or some sort of sweatpants, some some sort of like casual kind of look, and way too much bronzer. Mm. Oh, they they kind of look like uh, what, what do they call them in in England? Uh, chav, Jordy, yeah, Jordy girls or oh, okay, chav, yeah. yeah, that's that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, they all look like they could be on Love Island. <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, and that was disappointing. I was where I was like, where's my curly head? Curly-haired, red-headed people. Mm-hmm. I got a I son who's a curly-haired, red-headed person. He stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah, <laughs> I was expecting him to blend in. I would say this: no one is buying like American Springs, right? There is no like, <laughs> right. there isn't like an American version of this soap that's like mm-hmm. that you're gonna wanna that you're gonna wanna use. It's gonna smell like um, um you know, bullets and death and um, petrol. Yeah, awful, awful things. Petrol. Yeah. He's still stuck over there. Still Look stuck over there. See? <laughs> what is that? Well, there's, I think, one, I feel like one thing maybe you uh, uh, point point made is that I think the reputation of I- Irish in America uh, quickly went from its emigre status to something that has a fanciful kind of, uh, and clean and, 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 uh, a green and, and new and, you know, kind of a fresh kind of vibe. So, yeah. Charm, char- charming and still oh, yeah. kind of old old world, too. Yeah. So, I think from that, uh, no Irish need apply <laughs> kind of immigrant 
kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they did pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, pretty quick turnaround. And Kathy Ireland, I think, probably helped a lot, too, with her ambassadorial uh, diplomatic e efforts through the um, uh, swim swim. I mean, modeling. you know, uh, let's go back uh, 35 years. Get her in an Irish Spring commercial. Yeah. Anything with, a, uh, you know, a, a bar of uh, green soap that. Yeah. That's you what know? you want to see. That's what Why you not? want to see. All right, uh, Richard, I don't know how you're going to top the authenticity and yeah. the, the, um, the depth of research of that. But yeah, literally, I couldn't walk, literally, I couldn't walk into a grocery store in Ireland without seeing just, you know, piles of Irish spring everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the, That's the bricks. That's how they build other buildings. They're just boxes of <laughs> soap still in the, in the thing. Pull out one brick and the whole Tesco the whole, down. You got forbid it's going to rain. The whole... Yeah, it will be. Oh, the place would smell great. <laughs> yeah, the, the best smelling disaster ever. Mm. Uh, right. My my first choice is Guinness beer. Oh, um, so that's one of the things that when we went to Ireland, even the locals were like, every time we mentioned, yeah, we're here for for about a week and all the things that we were going to be doing, we didn't mention the Guinness storeroom at first or your storehouse and and museum which is it's which is uh, in in the city center which is what they call their downtown and we kept getting oh well you need to go are you of course you're going to guinness right oh. obviously that obviously that's going to be one of your stops and we went there and we had the tour and we did like it's like this multi-level very very high-tech sort of uh almost like a museum sort of structure to it. Mm. Then at the end, you get a free pint of Guinness. It's also on my list, by the way. Okay. Yeah. And you get to the end, you get your Guinness, and they tell you that a Guinness tastes better in Ireland, and it does. Mm. But you know what? Eh. Maybe I just don't <laughs> like stouts. Eh. It was okay. The tour was fine. It felt very like it was it was very touristy and very like prom i mean obviously it's a guinness tour so it was very promotional for guinness so your mileage may vary depending on how much you like guinness and how much you care about how how beer is made um but yeah i just i, I went i went through a phase in college where i drank a lot of guinness i also went through a phase in college where i drank a lot of fosters because I assumed that was good beer because it was Australian. Oh, yeah. Not realizing that Australian people think it's like sub Budweiser. And it's like, they, to them, it's the most, it's like Keystone Light. Mm -hmm. It's like the worst beer you could possibly imagine drinking. Now, I don't think Irish people feel that way about Guinness. In fact, they're very, I know they're very provincial about their Guinness and very, very proud of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just lost the taste for it. And like I said, it definitely tasted better in Ireland. It was definitely less bitter. Mm -hmm. um, and overall, just better tasting. And I would probably add it to my rotation of beers if I could get a a, a Guinness here in the U.S. that tasted like an Irish Guinness. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It wasn't great. It wasn't my favorite beer I've ever had. How are you with the, the temperature of beer? Like, does it, it was it served at room temp there? Or, no, it was, or... it was it was served cold. Mm -hmm. So there there wasn't well, it wasn't like freezing cold, but it was like cold enough. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't like what you expect in England where they tell you that you get a beer and it's like room temperature and it's like, mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. No, it was, it was, it was fine. I don't want to denigrate it. Mm-hmm. It was fine. I went to a pub while I was there and I had several Guinnesses cause I just, it was what was on tap and it was fine. I'm not complaining about it. It just wasn't this like, revolutionary experience like you hear some people talking about yeah they talk about having a guinness in ireland like bono shows up well of course he's the one who who do you think was working behind the counter (laughs) behind behind there at the pub larry mullen jr (laughs) do do you uh have that transform so i'm from kansas city and uh, we assholes won't stop talking about barbecue and Uh, anytime i eat a barbecue anything it's fine it all tastes the same it could be the grocery store, Jack Daniels barbecue. It could be anything. I just taste it and I go, it tastes like barbecue. Uh, and I. Is this, is this your, is this a take? You're also your take on Kansas City barbecue as well? Not just like all barbecue, but like yeah, any. It all tastes the same. Like uh, I, it's the same shit. It's the same stuff. So when people go, oh, like if you go to Gates or Arthur Bryant's or something like that, people always pretend. They're having mm. this orgasmic transformative experience, and it's it's not bad, but there's not there's nothing magical about drinking it from. It's like drinking holy water yeah. from the Pope's hand or something. That's not that That's weird. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, I I I I think it's very. I think it's very similar, Jeff. I think it's. Yeah. I think people are are very, like I said, provincial and protective of the things that are associated with their city or their communities. Yeah, and as an outsider, it's easy to kind of get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. I just didn't with Guinness. Mm-hmm. Do uh, are you an anti-hype kind of person, like Beatles? Eh, whatever. Or are you like, no. Uh, yeah, no, not necessarily. It's just mm-hmm. this one. I could, this one. I was excited for it. Yeah, and it, it was just in when when the reality of it was not did not meet the the hype. And you were like, let's go, let's go look at some falcons. Yeah, it. exactly. We'll do some falconry instead, which I did in Mars in Ireland. All right, Michael, what's your second one? Well, my second was also this Guinness, this oh. Guinness drink. And, um, you know, I think it was on my list. I, I was like trying to have like this weird toss up between like what is like um, like Ireland known for. And, I, you know, unfortunately, there is this huge like heavy drinking element. You know, I was thinking, because it's going to be like. I'm going to choose like an Irish whiskey or I'm going to choose Guinness. And at the end of the day, for me, I do prefer a Guinness over like Irish whiskey. I think it's, I, I, I just don't like whatever the taste is of it. Uh, I don't know. I just don't. Yeah. I, I'm not a Irish whiskey fan. And I think that there is something about um, having like a national drink to an extent that I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, whether it is, um, it's like, if I'm going like if Emily and I are like going out to like a sushi restaurant, I don't necessarily need to have like a, a glass of sake, but there's something about it that feels like, well, I'm not going to have a Guinness here. I mean, I might mm-hmm. have like a Sapporo beer or something or yeah, um, or something. Or so- yeah, but like, I don't know. There's something very interesting about like the regional expectations of indulging in whatever like culture like uh richard we used to go to um like trivia over at like fox and hounds yeah like i didn't want to drink like a bud light there i wanted to have like a boddington's i wanted to have like an english 
uh, beer or like, uh, I forget what else I used to get there, but like, there's something about another country's like uh, liquid culture or heritage that I think is um, just fascinating. Same thing happened when we went to um, uh, Iceland for our honeymoon years and years ago. It's like, I want to drink an Einstock. I want to drink like Icelandic beer. I want to see what this country has as like is representative of them. And I think Guinness, uh, much like kind of Irish Spring, has this like, this is this thing that's been kind of pushed to the world, right? You know, you see it every St. Patrick's Day. It's, they're just, all these bars are flooded with this Guinness Guinness imagery. And I think it has to do too with like just, I, I, you know, just the taste of it, the uniqueness of like that weird can that opens with the, whatever it is inside the uh i don't know all of it i think just plays into like a strange cultural thing that i think is very endearing the thing i observed when i was drinking guinness was that it was more smooth from a kind of uh non-cold tap nitrogen tap versus the nitrogen bo- can that you had or the bottle that wasn't nitrogen, I don't think. So I think what it was, was it was a kind of a more uh, robust textural t- flavor, which isn't usually a knock you over the kind of, th- it's kind of like a, it makes you kind of, it's almost like you have to think more when, you, when you're drinking it. Uh, so it wasn't a whammo, bammo kind of thing. It was a more cultivated kind of taste, I think. Yeah, it's funny that you, you, uh, Michael, you you, you talk about it sort of like you want to experience whatever has been almost pushed on you as part of the culture. Um, We went to the National Whiskey Museum. You mentioned whiskey. We went there. Mm -hmm. We did a tour there, which was actually really fascinating, even if you're not a big whiskey drinker, because they talk a lot about the history of whiskey in Ireland and how the two are kind of interconnected. And they get a a lot into sort of you know, why whiskey is important to Ireland. And one of the things they talked about is, you know, they sort of asked, like, quick, name an Irish whiskey. Most people will name, here in the United States, will name Jameson. That's kind of the, by far and away, the most popular Irish whiskey here in the United States. It's not close to the most famous one or most popular one in Ireland. The whole reason we know about Jameson is because uh, Pernod, Pernod Ricard uh, bought three different Irish whiskeys, Jameson Powers and Redbreast, and decided that they were going to make a big push into the United States in the 1990s. And they chose Jameson as the one they were going to lead with. Why? Because it's the one that was in a green bottle. Mm. And they assumed that people in the U.S. would associate green with Ireland, so it made it the easiest one for them to push in the U.S. market. That's the whole reason. It's not because it was the most popular one in in Ireland. It was just because it happened to have the right color bottle. And so it's just interesting to me that some of the, and, and Guinness is a little bit different because I think Guinness really is, I mean, if one of the things going through the tour, they do talk a lot about the history of Guinness in the community and how they would basically build, built out a lot of the town uh, in Dublin, for example. So I think there is a lot of, I think Guinness is a little bit of a difference in terms of the historical ties to Ireland than something like a Jameson's has. 
but you're right that you know we we want to drink what we're kind of what we associate with that country but whatever is we associate with that country may not be what's associated with beer or whiskey or whatever mm -hmm. sure, sure. within that country mm, yeah. interesting richard what's your second uh my second choice uh gaelic sports one of the things that we did while we were in Ireland, in, in Dublin, we went to go see the uh, Gaelic football championships, which happened to be taking place at Croke Park, which is this big 60,000 seat stadium in central Dublin. And the, it, the best way for me to explain Gaelic football, it's like a cross between rugby and soccer. Um, you have a soccer goal, and then you have uprights on either side of it, kind of sticking up. And you can score points by either kicking the ball into the net or kicking the ball over the net in between the in between the cross the, the uprights. And you kind of move the ball by running around with it, carrying it, passing it with your hands. You can also kick it and pass it that way. So it's this kind of cross between really cool cross between soccer and rugby. I like it, I like it. It sounds like something my kid would would make up because you can do anything. <laughs> You yeah, can score, it, it, score anyway. You can kick the ball. ball. Yeah. It, up. it doesn't matter. They just they stopped like trying to do one of the other sports, and they're just like, well, no, okay. So you can also you can also pick up the ball if you want. Oh, you can. Yeah. All right. So how do you score? You kick it into the net, and uh, if it goes over, you get points that way too. So I'm uh, yeah. gonna win. Trying to win any way you can. Yeah, it basically it is like like Jeff said, it's basically Calvin Ball. Mm. Um, and then the other sport that they have, which we didn't see, it wasn't in season while we were there, uh, is hurling. Oh wow! Um, which is basically it's kind of like lacrosse, but you play it with a a big stick instead of a, a a thing with a net on it. And from what I can tell, you may or may not also be able to hit people with the stick. Hmm. Um, and I. I find it fascinating the way that it worked. It's, it's Ireland only. Um, it's traditional. It goes back to the Gaelic, to the Gaelic times, both sports. And it's all amateur. So each county in Ireland has their own team. And they play against each other in, this, in, in leagues. And then they have a tournament at the end of the season. And I was watching one of the highlight shows for one of the previous, uh, like the night before we went. And they were talking about one player and they were like, well, it's really great that he's great to see him back this year because last year he wasn't able to play because of work issues. And I just thought, that's so quaint and charming. Here on national television, they're talking about this star player for a team who wasn't able to play the season before, not because he was injured or he held out for a contract. Not his work wouldn't let him get out. Wow. That's like what we'd hear on kickball. Yeah. Like someone had to miss a season because they were traveling a lot for work and they just couldn't make it happen. It's essentially, it feels like if kickball suddenly became a sport that people that packed like 60,000 seat stadiums, that's sort of, mm -hmm. the, that's sort of what it feels like. And I just find that incredibly charming. We don't have anything like that here in the United States. You know, it's very, you know, but there, when we went, there was, you know, People were all dressed up in their county's gear and with their flags and were, it was very, the rooting was very provincial, like I said. And that's just not, like you wouldn't root for, if we had like a, a sport where each state had their own team, I, I wouldn't care if California won. 
I wouldn't give a flying rip about it. Maybe people would somewhere else. Maybe maybe other states have. Maybe Temperature Texas is the exception to this rule. They would be like all into this. But for the most part, I people wouldn't wouldn't get into one state versus another state. But in Ireland, you have pride in your county, and one of the ways you show that is through through rooting for your Gaelic football team or your hurling team. Is there that much money in it? Like for the players or for the teams? And no, it's amateur. Okay, it's an amateur. It's an amateur competition. Yeah. So, like I said, it, it would be like if 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 kickball suddenly became we were selling out Dodger Stadium. Yeah, that's what it. That's sort of what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Well, it, was it in the U.S. until the '60s? Some of those guys had jobs. <laughs> like if you, yeah, were, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, back back in the day, you know, you. Especially like football or basketball, mm-hmm. baseball was had a little bit more money in it. But yeah, back in the day, basketball, football players they they definitely had off season regular jobs. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Uh, did you, what? Are, what were the strange? Is there any idiosyncrasies of the rules or of the plays you observe or timeouts or can you get fouled or can you brutalize the opponents or is there yeah anything... you, can't, you can't like rugby tackle them or like football tackle anyone in Gaelic football. You can you can try and strip the ball away from them, but you can't like like actually tackle them and throw them to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, the only really idiosyncrasy is that all the announcements and uh, uh, things that were on the big screen were in Gaelic; hmm. they weren't in English. And that's one of the things I found in Ireland that I wasn't prepared for: is all the official signs are in both languages. Um, and then what I was, what it was explained to me by a tour guide that we had is that everyone in Ireland learns obviously English, but also Gaelic in, uh, their primary schools, but then most people forget it all by the time they're 30. Wow. So it'd be kind of like learning Latin if you went to like a, mm-hmm. a Catholic school or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd probably learn it when you're a kid, but by the time you're an adult, you'd, you'd have forgotten it. Mm-hmm. So something like 25% of people actually speak Gaelic in Ireland, which is more than I would have thought. And the fact is that, you know, road signs, highway signs, any sort of uh, museums all had, Mm -hmm. if they had anything written out, it would be written out in English and then also in Gaelic. Mm -hmm. Well, they should have done what I did. It's just they should have learned the names of every Masters of the Universe character. And that just stays with you until you're uh, almost 45. Just put the like you're, you're driving down the whatever street you are. Oh yeah, that's also uh, Hordak Lane. Got it. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay, hey, um, we are at our halftime, and this time we're just going to go ask you to uh, look out on the YouTube channel and see see what you see there. We've uh, imported the entire well, the entire history of this podcast is there for the most part. Um, the uh, the the predictions we've made the people we've killed through our mere mentioning of them um go go check them out and then you know if if that takes you to other spots where we have stuff like uh instagram or twitter or uh, on apple Podcasts or spotify then go check those out too we'd appreciate it leave us a comment love to know what you think i'd love to know future uh topic suggestions um love to know any kind of gaelic history that you might know if you could leave that there because i don't know how if we research that much all right michael what's your third uh my third choice is uh, the aforementioned band uh u2 which i don't know if there is another 
uh, export along with Irish spring soap, which probably comes out of like Kansas and um, and (laughs) Guinness where uh, they have become, I think really culturally significant. I think also just super popular, but also a band that um, being super politically active from within their own country. Like I remember seeing them in concert. I've only seen them in concert once, uh, maybe about mm, six, seven years ago, maybe not even that long here um, in LA. And all of the stuff that was um, kind of uh, brought up with like the troubles and everything that's gone on um, uh, between, you know, Northern Ireland and Ireland, it still resonates with them. Like, it's like one of those things where like, it was still such a main part, a main aspect of like their stage show and the songs that they sing about. And it's like never going to get away from them. That's like a part of uh, that political turmoil and violence and uh, Good Friday Agreement, which just kind of had had its anniversary. Um, All that stuff is still like summed up within a lot of who they are, I think, as people, especially Bono. I mean, I, you know, the other three guys are pretty underspoken compared to him, but you could still feel like this resonance of, uh, like, a country's history within just like the music of like a pop band, and I think they're just interesting from, uh, you know, musically speaking, but also from like, they're still very like. Uh, what was the album uh, like uh, uh, Joshua Tree like they're very much like this band that at some point came to America and made like their American pop album they, they came out and they like they're outsiders traveling across America and making a an outsider's kind of view of their experience in America and um, I find just that interesting a lot of bands seem to have like this America is such a big and weird place. I always like to see like an outsider's perspective on it because it's probably, I don't know if not necessarily truer, but it's just a, you know, different, different point of view, Mm -hmm. but I can't think of another band that's like them in terms of like this band represents this country, not necessarily. um, I don't know. It's just like, Oh, that's the Irish. That's the Irish band. They don't necessarily play Irish traditional irish music but it's just like this they are they are the irish band to me i think most people and i oh you too is also on my list so okay. put them on there as well i i think one of the things that's interesting to me about you too is how they've kind of come in and out of fashion throughout the god 40 plus years of being a band at this point yeah you know i mean I, maybe it's inevitable but i mean they kind of went from being the coolest band in the world to kind of a joke to back to being really cool again, kind of a joke. Now they're a band that, you know, maybe they're more of a legacy band than being seen as a real contemporary band. But now they're a band that if you go tell someone you're going to go see U2 in concert, it's back to being, oh, wow, really cool. I bet they put on, they're going to put on an amazing show. And because the, there was that period, maybe it was that whole Apple iPod, the yeah. iPod, iPod <laughs> yeah. debacle. Yeah that kind of soured a lot of people on YouTube where their ambitions maybe got a little bit above their station and it was fun to knock them back a peg. Um, but I, it feels like now that they've kind of reached that elder statesman sort of 
sort of uh, position in rock music where you're not expecting them to make any more great albums. But you know that when you go see a U2 show, you're going to get an experience. Kind of like if you go see the Rolling Stones at this point or a band like that. And that's sort of where I think the place that they sort of operate in. And who knows, maybe they'll make another great album. I don't know, but I don't think that's expected of them. And I don't think that's what their fans, if you're a U2 fan, you've got this, like I said, 40 years of music to kind of, kind of uh, work off of. Yeah, I agree. I think they've aged into the grandiosity that they were, uh, at least Bono was kind of aiming for, you know, the, or at least the position as a world influencer uh, in that Letterman hosts um, this thing on um, Disney plus, or is it Apple uh, where they go to, I think it's Disney plus where they go to Ireland and, it's just kind of them not really doing a victory lap, but kind of looking back at all the uh, the issues and uh, causes that they've weathered and transgressed throughout the years. And that has right. led them like the Stones to be this uh, uh, elder states persons who earned their spot. They've 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 passed. They've lived longer than the troubles in Ireland. They've lived uh, long enough to see perhaps the civil rights movement in the U.S. at least evolve into Black Lives Matter and evolve into other things that they were they were hoping to kind of support. So, yeah, it's 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 sure is interesting because I do I do think it was even in the the doc, they talk about the rest of the band kind of reacting to Bono's um, uh, his his unceasing um, um I don't know. I don't know what you would call what he advocacy or, or his, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and the, it wasn't always what they all. It's not like they had a band meeting and said, "Bono, you're going to go fly to so and so." And then Bono, I think, also would sit down with, in trying to kind of create change, sit down with um, uh, politicians and people who who they did not politically agree with, but it was his. He saw it as his role to to at least be seen as kind of coming up against these people so yeah i think even within the band <laughs> they might have said hey we weren't trying to be this uh we weren't trying to to get so much attention in so many ways um sometimes negative attention but yeah i think i agree with you richard like the stones they've kind of you know, speaking of rushmore they've kind of a kind of chiseled themselves into rock the face of rock yeah that way yeah yeah there was a uh we didn't one of the things we did not do in dublin was the there's an irish rock and roll museum oh wow and I, that was our running joke it's like come see you too come see yeah. you too and also Sinead Tim <laughs> yeah, Tim Lizzie, the, yeah. the pope yeah, yeah. Eh, we got a lot yeah. of you too though so we didn't go see that yeah, that's interesting. I I I have I have reluctantly I, I become a YouTube YouTube fan, even if they they're still doing it. You know, they're still then they're still into it. And I think almost like a guy like Bruce Springsteen, they've been they've been proving their authenticity throughout different iterations, big arena iterations, and you know, but they started off as kind of like the the uh, what were they? New wave? Were they even kinda new wave punk, or was it like, kind of punk, kind of new wave, kind of. Yeah. Post-punk, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, Michael, wait. wait. Yeah. Okay, Michael we both. Fourth. Michael, your fourth is what? <laughs> uh, 
uh, I'm just going to go with the leprechaun. Sweet. Not St. Patrick's Day, but just the horse. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I've probably told this story before, but um, uh, the only movie that I was forcibly um, taken out of by my stepdad, Leprechaun. Not, uh, really? not because he uh, he didn't he didn't like he didn't think it was worthwhile and it was right as the scene as as the leprechaun the titular leprechaun was pogo sticking the guy to death and I was all of what like twelve years old thirteen having the time mm-hmm. of my life as uh, as uh, <laughs> um, what's his name Warwick Davis is just like you know stomping a guy to death using a pogo stick for stealing one of his uh, one of his gold coins um, spoiler alert uh, but. Um, <laughs> I gotta say, um, I really wanted to see the end of that movie. Never did. I assume he got his. There he is. Look at that guy, Warwick Davis. What a career for that gentleman. But no, just the um, the leprechaun as a symbol of a country. Again, I think all of my um, all of my choices kind of uh, are symbolic or representative or something that has been pushed out of this country to. Uh, maybe monetize a land of green. I guess that makes sense, mm-hmm. doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. this there are these mischievous creatures that aren't necessarily like great. You know, I I, I do appreciate that about kind of some older, um, uh, some kind of old country sort of like, oh look at this guy, he's like a fairy, he's a magical creature. Ah, uh, they're kind of assholes too. <laughs> yeah, kind of like trying to you know. They're always trying to trick you. They're not necessarily the best. They're, um, but oh, they they look. They can, in theory, they could be so happy. But um, it's you know, there's a lot of like a trickster god, kind of and trickster creature things out there in the world, whether in mm-hmm. America, like Bear Rabbit, or whether in um, uh, oh, I can't think of the uh, Anansi, the kind of the spider god trickster sort of thing out of um, some African countries um but i i don't know i think that <laughs> i'm still looking at that face uh can you put his face where my face is instead <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll learn how to do that <laughs> work how to do that can, can yeah. you do that sort of morphing technology where um <laughs> where you just put somebody else's face on mine like arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> suddenly is like a, a face you know, swap read, yeah face swap mm-hmm. um I don't know. The leprechaun, I think, is uh, just an interesting little creature that uh, I didn't have a good fourth pick. I, 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 <laughs> I found it interesting because I think even we, there are other, I don't think anybody in another country thinks we walk around dressed like Uncle Sam in the United States. <laughs> and I don't think we all think that the leprechaun is like really a super yeah. Irish thing. <laughs> like they're all dressing up like leprechauns and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. It, I do appreciate that the leprechaun's outfit hasn't changed much. Like, there's been no, no updated version where he's, <laughs> like, like Richard had said, like he's not like in like yoga pants or there's. Yeah. Well, I guess he maybe he kind of is wearing like a tights, but um, mm-hmm. there's no like, there's no like cool, there's no like cool version of like, uh, you know, like when the Warner Brothers characters like in the '90s suddenly were like dressed like, uh, you yeah. know. Uh, uh, the two kids from like um, jump around, not kid and play. Yeah, um, crisscross. Uh... Crisscross. Yeah, like suddenly, like all of a sudden, Taz was wearing his like clothes backwards, yeah. had his hat on backwards, and they had like kind of like a more of a rap mindset. They, they never tried to do that. <laughs> with mm-hmm. I just looked at like 
just ahead. looking looking up sexy leprechaun outfits oh, right now. And yeah, of, course of course they exist. And of course they look sure. nothing like leprechauns. Sure they do. <laughs> I do love that that uh it's I think that was there a video? This is one of the first viral videos I remember that wasn't a, I know what you're gonna what, talk about. Go wasn't ahead. there the leprechaun in the hood thing or something like that? Well there was no, a, there was a too. there was a leprechaun uh yes, there's a, a leprechaun movie, but you might be thinking of uh there was some sort of like viral news report yeah. uh, where like oh. someone said they saw like a leprechaun in a tree and it was just like this, this, you know, local, local town going crazy and the yeah. news reporting it about how they saw a leprechaun in the tree. Yeah. I think that's something that I recall. Yeah. Like you said, it's, it hasn't been updated. It's like a uh, pil- pilgrim, but, but make it green. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, let me drop exactly the chat with you guys real quick. I think this is what you're refre- referencing okay. is the, the Crichton leprechaun in okay. Alabama. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, look at that sketch. <laughs> the Crichton <laughs> leprechaun in Alabama, where the Let's sketch of it. Was, yeah, Jeff, yeah, can you can you put that can you put that right. face on my face instead? <laughs> the side by side. Wow, uh, that's pretty amazing. I'm glad they're hiring a four-year-old to do the police sketch work at this uh, <laughs> Alabama headquarters. That's a lot of fun. Okay, I, I like what right. you said. I like you said police sketch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this amateur sketch. But I do, I do appreciate that. That is like they just have the worst. <laughs> they just have a kid with crayons there. The, yeah, the I love. Department. I love that they. I imagine that yellow legal pad that it's on <laughs> at one point <laughs> after the game. You know, because when they sketch it, that's not facing the person. It's it's facing the sketch artist. That he turned it around and showed it to the person, and they went, "That's it!" And they pointed right at it. <laughs> this uh, Stuart Little is what it <laughs> looks so like. Cool. Stuart Little. Right. Uh, all right, Richard. I don't know. Having recently visited, if you can come back with anything uh, more authentic than Leprechaun. Well, what could be more uh, what could be more authentic than Michael Flatley? Oh, my yeah. last choice, Irish dancing. Okay. <laughs> Whether your your preferred form of Irish dancing is river dance or Lord of the Dance wow. or whatever ripoff version they have at a bad casino in Las Vegas right now. Yeah. Um back in the nineties and what early two thousands was it? We were gaga for Irish dancing. Yeah. Like we couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. We made Michael Flatley a household name. Yeah. What was going on back then? Guys, if you're if you're an, of a younger generation, let me tell you, it was a weird time back then. Mm-hmm. And Michael Flatley, obviously well known as the 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 lord of the river of the Irish dancing. Yeah. You want to guess where he was born? Cork County, Ireland? Dublin? No, he's born in Chicago. What? I didn't realize he's American. He's he's from an Irish family, obviously. Oh. But he's born and raised an American. What? Yeah, what a ripoff. That's sketchy. That is that is that is shady as hell. Yeah. Um and I I just I I put this on my list because again, it's one of those things that I saw zero Irish dancing while I was in Ireland. People are not high stepping it down the street. No. 
no. with crazy arms. Um, but obviously it is a traditional form of dance. And somebody mm-hmm. figured out how to monetize this, take it first to London and then to the United States, mm-hmm. and make a fuck ton of money off of it. Yeah. And now that's one of the things that we associate with Ireland. Rightly or wrongly, probably wrongly for the most part, wow. is this really exaggerated. And Michael Flatley kind of, I guess, brought the big arm movements into Irish, this this kind of Irish folk dancing, which before you, it was all very like straight armed. and Oh, yeah. The legs. Yeah. He was the first one to incorporate like arm movements and things like that into it. So to kind of modernize it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking him as a dancer. I mean, I've, I've seen clips of it. I've never actually watched any of the full performances. But obviously, you have to be an insanely talented dancer to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying there's not some authenticity to it or whatever. Yeah. But somehow, somehow in the 90s, weird, a, a, a decade when weird shit was becoming popular, this was one of the leading pieces of weird ephemeral that kind of the pop pop culture uh, consciousness Mm -hmm. and I'm not quite sure why Mm -hmm. I don't know what led us why we were so thirsty for Irish dancing back then yeah it does seem like disco comes back no matter what it seems like some flashy disco stuff always finds a way to turn to evolve and to become viral and come back again in a weird way and it does seem like that's kind of just kind of flashy and kind of exciting i guess so i think there's a spectacle nature to it too it's i, I think probably you know uh early 90s uh you know cirque du soleil certainly was taking the u.s by storm and the world by storm this weird thing that was foreign that i mean you know no one's you know has something like the ballet let's think about that like the ballet in general, has always been popular for a hundred something, two hundred years, right? In some yeah. version, like if the Bolshoi Ballet, if the Russian Ballet Company's coming around or, or whatever, I, I'm sure they're selling out just about every performance. Yeah, but I think because it is so known, it's not like it's not like a this thing that seemed to come out of nowhere. Maybe it was just like I don't know. I'm spitballing. I. Mm-hmm. I've never, I, I remember it being like, I remember the commercials for it, or you could buy it on like DVD or not oh, even yeah. DVD, like VHS. It was like, that was a thing yeah. that you went and you bought this. How many times were you going to watch that performance in a row? Like I could watch, you know, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a movie that was important for me to own on tape. Uh, the Mask <laughs> in like 1994. <laughs> like, that was a movie I need to see like a dozen times. But certainly, uh, do I need to see like this dancing thing over and over? I don't know. That's an interesting. Why was it such a big? And then he he quit Riverdance and right. started There's... Lord of the Dance, right? Yeah, there was like a some sort of like argument over paint over how much he was owed and yeah. salary and royalty fees and how much he had created versus the the producers. So he walked out. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, created Lord of the Dance, which became equally successful. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. The Irish, I think, uh, emigre kind of tradition or the diaspora is is something that I don't know if War Work. I think Work Davis is British, right? So I don't uh, that some of the persons who go out and take the culture 
around the world don't all, always um, mm. aren't always hewn from traditional iron um, and not necessarily native Irish, but yeah, that does seem like something of the of the culture of this island that is out there influencing the whole world. Uh, and supposedly it was just like book how the Irish saved civilization. There were like Irish clerics who copied down every every important book in Western civilization. <laughs> That's yeah. how they survived after the yeah. fall of the Library of Alexandria or something like that. Uh, all right. Cool topic. Uh, Richard Falcons. What happened? What? How come they didn't make the list? Well, because they were Irish Falcons, but I don't necessarily link falconry with being uh, Irish. Okay. Yeah, All I right. did do a falconry uh, day while I was mm -hmm. in Ireland, but that was, there just happened to be falcons there in Ireland. You could have done that in the U.S. Okay. There are American falcons, too, such okay. as the Atlanta ones. <laughs> the falcons of Atlanta. Okay. All right. Well, let's look at uh, what we got here. Uh, boom. And here's our list. This if I can accomplish this. Um, um, okay. All right. Let's go with um, the leprechaun. Just because, God damn it. Um, if you can, if you can create, if you're a little guy that little can just terrorize everybody on the planet, then awesome. Good by you. The leprechaun. The number one export of ireland mm. a leprechaun a number two guinness uh number three you two because come on that was my my favorite my favorite um rationale for putting something on there come on come on man you're not gonna not do right, you gotta you gotta bono and the boys or is uh who is it uh, jay leno said so he, they were you two was on the tonight show and his mom asked asked him what it was like to meet larry daryl and daryl uh, if you, you follow sitcoms and Gaelic sports, um, mm. so that those are the that is the Mount Rushmore of Irish stuff. Um, fun topic, guys. Yeah, Richard, I'm glad glad you made it back. Yeah, I am too. It was he had, a, uh, had to come in through through New York, and he had to change yeah. his last name on the way in as well. Unfortunately, that's true. Right here now. Had to drop the O off of my 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 last name. It's yeah. just me. He's right now, now a police so. officer. There's a man Freddy... they conscripted me into the army as soon as I landed. That was weird, but if that's what the rules are. All right. Well, this has been the Mount Rushmore of Irish stuff by I'm always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael.